Welcome back to Talking Point, and uh, yes, indeed, it's uh, the last uh, segment, the last 40 minutes of this program. Uh, of course, uh, we just before the break, we spoke to uh, a lady by the name of Nalidi Mutsiri. She spoke to us about paternal leave and uh, a really interesting topic that hopefully, you know, we can increase the paternal leave uh, for males uh, as opposed to the maternity leave so that we can also find, you know, husbands uh, supporting their wives for a longer period of time. And I hope that's what guys do when they wives are pregnant inshallah oh and giving birth children well next up we'll be chatting about uh, uh, social services and the doubt on sustainability of South Africa's social services now the proportion of the national budget spent on social services has increased from 45% in the 1994 to 1995 period to 60% uh, in the last uh, quarter of 2014-2015 this is according to according to the latest edition of Fast Facts published by the South African Institute of Race Relations now tonight we find out we, we ask the question what that means for us as South Africans especially in the economy we find ourselves in with the decision we're experiencing with the uh, challenges that face us what this means for us as South Africans and does this spell as something good and positive or is there uh, something to be concerned about and we're joined by Minka Stately head of media and public affairs uh, uh, Minka good evening and welcome Good evening, Fasif, and thank you very much, and, and good evening to your listeners as well. Minka, um, first of all, when we talk about gov- uh, when we talk about uh, government spending more on social services uh, for the uh, for the for the last quarter than they have um, substantially uh, since uh, 1994, uh, we, we talk about the gains that have been made for for this expenditure. For example, there's a lower proportion of people with no schooling, uh, with a proportion of people who have completed their secondary tertiary and tertiary education having increased but is this the only good story to tell in terms of 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 um, what we're speaking about here so yes there are good stories to tell and and also to clarify what we mean by social services is actually covering education health social security housing and community amenities like recreation and culture and so forth so it's not only social grants and as you mentioned, there have been gains that uh, you mentioned some of the educational gains, but there's also nutrition among, amongst under fives has actually improved threefold since 2000. So uh, one of, the, one of the, the ways in which one measures the effectiveness of a health system is by looking at the, you know, the death of children under five. And South Africa is doing a lot better in that respect than it did, uh, you know, in 1994-95. And actually an interesting thing that's also happened is the number of people living with HIV has increased, which initially sounds negative to people, but it actually means that there's more people who have access to antiretroviral treatment and can therefore live longer, have more fulfilled lives. But as you said, uh, you know, the story isn't entirely positive. Uh, interestingly enough, you say that because initially when you hear that, you know, the number of people living with HIV has increased, you'd think that, you know, there's an increased rate of infection. But the reality also is that people are, are, have gone into rate of vials, as you've mentioned, which means that uh, we are winning the battle. Uh, mm. People are living longer, more productive lives under uh, on antiretrovirals uh, who have HIV, which means that the health, the health system in that sense is working in, 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 in maintaining a good standard of health. Um, but now if we look at um, some of the negatives, uh, obviously 
the con- countries under pressure in terms of the economy, uh, GDP is something that's always uh, coming comes into question uh, every single year when we have our budget speech. And we're asking the question then that if government is spending more now on social services than they ever have before, um, uh, does this equate to what uh, what uh, uh, we are getting back from taxpayers? Uh, is 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 it, or are we seeing a slide in terms of now um, uh, becoming a greater deficit uh, as, as, as government does uh, start to pump more money into social projects? Yes, exactly. So that's our biggest worry is all these gains are fantastic, but, uh, you know, they, they um, yeah, these gains are fantastic, but there is a balance that needs to be achieved. And in the economy that we have at the moment, as we all know, growing very, very slowly, you know, below 2%, we, we're, what we're worried about at the IRR is if they're spending 60% now, next year, you know, in five years' time, is it 65%, 63% or 67%, you know, where is it going to stop? And the problem is, is that there's more people on social grants, for example, than there are working in the country. And that balances out because what then happens is there's, there's, you know, there's actually then relatively fewer people paying tax than are on social grants. Therefore, there's actually not that money, much money coming in. And if they're going to spend more and more and more on, on social services, the government is going to do that, then somewhere a wall will be hit. Somewhere they are going to run out of money. They are, in fact, already in, in some senses running out of money. And, and we are calling for, for economic, uh, you know, economic gains, and especially looking at the high unemployment. We're seeing more than 50% unemployment for young people, and so that's why we're calling for the creation of jobs, so that people can rather be, be you know, prosper because mm-hmm. of self-sustainability rather than prosper. Well, no one really prospers because, let's be honest, social grants are not, you know, a lot of money, but the point is just to get that balance right because at the moment, if they don't, if we don't put policies in place, if we don't, if South Africa's economy doesn't start growing faster, South Africa's economy isn't encouraged or stimulated to grow faster, that balance is going to completely tip us. And that's what worries us, is, is the fact that, that, that this ratio is out, that there's more people on social grants than are actually working in our country. I actually have to take a step back because... We're also dealing with the legacy, a legacy of apartheid and yes. uh, the huge gap between uh, the, the haves and the have-nots. And uh, certainly since 1994, as we mentioned, there have been some gains in terms of social development. So would you say also that that increased spending has been, in a sense, also to right some of the wrongs that have been uh, there since the time of apartheid? Yes, yes. So, of, of course, of course, the, the, the imbalance back in 1994 was huge, and social services are very important. So, we're not at all calling for them to be abolished, which some people have understood us to do, which is not at all the case. It's just that, unfortunately, in our in our economy as it stands, and and look, we our economy actually mirrors in some ways um, one in the first world. And what we mean by that, or not the first world—that's such a, a dated term—in the you know in the developed world. Um, uh, 
uh, in the sense that our manufacturing, agriculture, and mining uh, contributions to GDP have all been in decline. The sector that's been in, 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 in an increase is actually the high-tech sector, which is the financial sector. But yet we do not have people who are skilled in that area. We have people who need jobs in the manufacturing sectors. So ideally, yes, these social services fix the wrongs that happened in the past. But unfortunately, 21 years in, we're not seeing enough. It's really a money thing. It's that the government is not sustainable. The government, unfortunately, as much as we would in an ideal world love for it to be a reality. I mean, if we look at countries in Europe like Norway and Germany and so forth, people get, get uh, grants for having children. And a lot of the countries offer education for free. And, and that's wonderful and that's ideal, but it's not something that, unfortunately, our economy can carry at this stage. So that's where we're saying we really need to start creating jobs again in the manufacturing sector. We need to make it... We need laws that are uh, that are in such a way, policies that are, are developed in such a way that, for example, the manufacturing sector can again bloom, can again be encouraged to grow. And, uh, and yeah, it's unfortunate. It's very, very difficult pull to swallow, but um, we just don't see how this is going to be sustained into the future. From your perspective, uh, with the with the with the unique, uh, um, should I say, from the, from the unique perspective that you find yourself in uh, would you be able to then identify perhaps uh, the some robust policies in terms of what you've seen has worked uh, maybe not necessarily in South Africa but in other countries to help uh, then stimulate that uh, to stimulate uh, uh, jobs in the manufacturing sector as you've mentioned uh, would you be able to identify uh, some things that perhaps government isn't looking at Yes, so it's not very uh, popular for us to say this, but we are we we are very much in support of deregulating to a degree. Obviously, I mean not completely, but deregulating the labour the labour market or labour laws, because at the same time as we're seeing 50% higher you know unemployment amongst young people, and in fact. If we count discouraged work seekers, we're looking more like 65, 70%, 75% for young women. But um, that aside, we're also not seeing, we're only seeing around 40% of our potential workforce being absorbed into the labor market. So what we've seen work in other countries and a variety of other countries is where labor laws have been slightly deregulated and it's easier for people to hire, it's easier for people to start businesses, there's not that many hoops to jump through. And, uh, and you know, so that's our main area of focus where we are really calling where you know where jobs can be created in the private sector in particular so for example the national development plan that the government has put forward is very uh, uh, you know business friendly but in reality we're not seeing it ourselves and other policy uh, researchers policy experts and so forth are not seeing the national development plan really come to fruition we're rather seeing a move towards more socialist uh, more communist leanings as such, which obviously in an ideal world, as I said before, could be fantastic and it lo- you know it, it, in, in one's heart one feels that's what should be done for the poor, but in reality in our economy and so forth we really need more deregulation, we need more private businesses employing people and more stimulation in that area. Another thing that I think uh, is so important that uh, we look at is uh, when we look at social grants for the elderly because the, yeah. the, the, challenge, the challenge is great for someone who is retired, who is only living yeah. for pension, a mega yeah. pension of 1,400 rand uh, for the month. Um, 
with with uh, the 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 issue having 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 been placed uh, before government and before the relevant bodies mm. in terms of trying to increase this so that we can get our retired our elderly people who are receiving social grants uh, to live a better quality of life do you think that government is looking at increasing uh, increasing social grants for pensioners to be able to uh, kind of affect that kind of, of 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 a better quality of life Yes, exactly. So, of course, pensioners and also people living with disabilities, you know, like younger people that may not be able to work due to a physical disability or a mental disability, those grants are very important. It's, it's where we've seen, okay, obviously it's greater access, but we've seen since 1994, uh, there's about 51,000% more people are now on child grants than were in 1994. And yes, access is very important. Yes, obviously there are many cases where we can say those child grants have enabled people to even go to university. But in general, when we compare it to the high youth unemployment, we're thinking, well, if the child grant is so effective, then why are there still so many young people without work? So we're saying if we could get young people into work, there would be more leeway to, as you say, increase the grant for much older people who, you know, do not have that freedom, do not have that potential, if one wants to call it, or, or you know, they're not young, they're not necessarily healthy anymore to work. And then, you know, the, the money can be managed and, and um, applied in a much more effective and better way. Another thing but that's is also another thing is we're seeing all this spending, but we're not necessarily seeing uh, huge impacts, if one wants to put it that way, especially amongst young people. Another option, if we're looking at this, is um, do you think then also that uh, the, the um, should I say, restrictions that are currently pa- perhaps placed uh, on small businesses, uh, that if, if those, if those uh, restrictions are perhaps lifted, if there's a little bit more uh, leeway uh, in terms of, um, you know, giving, giving uh, small businesses opportunity yeah. to, to, do, to develop, do you think also that that would play a leading role in getting people of social grants and getting them independent? Yes, exactly. So there are obviously, as we all know, there are, uh, uh, um, how can you say, policies in place that are supposedly helping small business and so forth, but we want to see that replicated even more. And it, it is controversial because some people start saying, well, you are not in, in favor of a minimum wage. Yes, we are, but we need to think very carefully about this because we need to think about small, micro, medium enterprises and their business plans. And if we could, as you say, the, the the aim is to get people to be self-sustainable, especially between the ages of, say, ideally 18 and 55, 60, for example. And, and the aim is so that people can be can sustain themselves, can build, can, can can have the cash to actually build a small house, to to have the dignity, to have a job, to bring money in, and um, and actually stimulating. Looking at the regular the, the the regulations around small business is one of our main areas of focus and one of our main areas of concern definitely now and also looking at uh, at the broader picture then uh, once again going back to government spending in this uh, social development sector um, would you say then that um, a lot of the uh, have they spent more of this uh, of this uh, um, should I say uh, of the, the the money that they have been uh, you know putting out the have they spent more of this in the informal uh, areas or would you say that this has been in more urbanized areas uh, where do you see government spending more of that money uh, and uh, putting those services out there. No, so 
it is. It is. Um, uh, it depends on the municipalities as well. So it depends, you know, where the money is being spent, how municipalities decide to spend it. Um, yeah, but uh, overall, it's 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 spent, um, you know, a lot on social grants, a lot on education and um, housing. And actually, for example, housing. We've also seen, interestingly enough, uh, for every shack that goes up, ten. Um, RDP houses have gone up. Obviously, we're again talking nationally where one, if one's going to go from municipality to municipality or community to community, you might see a different picture. But, uh, yeah, the money is spent, is, is spent across the board and it's really just the national sustainability of that we're worried about. And actually, I just thought of something other, uh, something else that was quite interesting, just referring back to what we were talking about small businesses. This is also quite controversial, but um, one of the reasons foreign nationals often do very well with their small businesses is because they are not necessarily, I'm not saying all of them, but not necessarily uh, liable or, or um, you know, to these regulations. And so they are actually an example of how one can say free enterprise in some ways does allow people to become self-sustainable like foreign, some foreign nationals have. And we're saying, well, if we could do that for the people of South Africa as well, then we wouldn't be surprised if we saw South Africans also actually flourish and bloom in their, in their, in their businesses as foreign nationals have. But that's just referring to your previous question. It's just quite an interesting um, observation that we've made at the IRR. Another thing also that I think uh, begs the begs an answer is in terms of if we look at uh, the, 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 the level of matric dropouts, mm. uh, would you say then there's a correlation between people not achieving their matric and uh, ending up on social, on social welfare? Or would you say then that it's, it doesn't matter really whether or not they achieve matric because of the, 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 the fact that the job market is so tough? It doesn't actually matter that much. We actually find that a lot of, for example, protests, a lot of the people who take part in protests, social, um, uh, pardon me, um, uh, service delivery protests and so forth, are actually often people who do have degrees or some sort of tertiary education but are without work. But the high dropout of matrix is a massive problem for us because, as I said, those young people end up not really ha- having the skills that match our economy. So our economy is do- doing well in financial services and high-tech services, but those services we know require, you know, at least some sort of knowledge of mathematics. And when we look at the dropout rate, we actually see that of ultimately over a 12-year period of schooling, if, one, if about 1 million young people are enrolled in grade 1, those that end up with degrees in, uh, in business, education, enge- oh, pardon me, business, medicine, law, engineering, are, there's only about 30,000 of them out of that 1.21 million young people. So we, we have a skills mismatch. So yes, um, I, 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 those people would obviously then have no choice but to go on social grants, and, and that's also very upsetting. Can I put you on the spot here then, because mm. you've mentioned maths, and we have, uh, you know, I know that we're not talking about education per se, but we do have maths lit, and we have uh, um, yes. uh, the, 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 the other option, which is obviously the one that opens so many more doors. So would you say then that also um, taking the option of maths lit would then also kind of lead you to, to narrower options in terms of the jobs? Job sphere. Unfortunately, 
Unfortunately, in our economy at present, yes. Ideally not. This is the thing. We don't want to see an economy where you can only get a job if you're actually good at math. Exactly. Of course not. You should, if you're a good people manager, you should be able to you know, go onto a farm or work in a mine. Or, and, and that's what we're saying. We're saying if those sectors are actually in decline, what happens to young people who, I mean, I'm not very good at math. So, you know, like what happens if you're not actually even that inclined towards math? And, and that's what we're saying. We're saying there's a mismatch because there are a lot of young people who then take the option of math lit and end up leaving school or leaving university with a social sciences degree and um, and not having the opportunity to fulfill that potential. The voice of Minka Statler, Head of Media and Public Affairs at the Institute of Race Relations uh, in South Africa. And I have to say thank you so much for joining us this evening. It's quite a glaring picture you've painted for us. A scary one also, but let's hope that, uh, you know, with uh, the, the coming months and uh, perhaps next year, the uh, finance minister will have some good news in terms of where government's going to be putting their money and those robust policies that are going to bring us, uh, you know, a more sustainable uh, s- social uh, should I say social welfare uh, um, platform that would, would, would necessarily empower people more than keep them on, 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 on social grounds. Um, exactly. And also, you know, it's turnaroundable. People should not feel too negative. There's so much potential. And uh, also the municipal elections next year, I think, will also, you know, open some opportunities and, and, and uh, you know, open some dialogue, which will, will get communities talking. So that, that, that was going to be my final point. But I think that it's, it's you know, going back to what you see that on Friday Nationals, it's, it's amazing to see that they see the potential in our economy that we do not see. Exactly. So, exactly. so um, that's just something to keep in mind in terms of you know the optimism sh- needs to be there, and also the fact that we need to start looking for the looking at the potential of this country and looking for what uh, we can do as South Africans within the current uh, uh, within the current situation to try and create those opportunities. Um, because certainly, certainly, I mean, everywhere. Uh, Every country in the world is subject to some, to the recession to some degree, uh, and it's not exactly. it's not, not rosy because this is a global this is this is something that's affecting the world. It's affecting everyone globally. So uh, I think that's a, a, perhaps a change of attitude and perception of things might speed up the process. Exactly, you've hit the nail on the head. <laughs> I, <it's> fantastic, <laughs> Minka. Thank you so much once thank again, you. and have a, f- a blessed evening further. You too. Have a lovely evening, and to your listeners too. Thank you. Take thank care. You. Well, of course, uh, that's something to chew on and think about. We uh, hope uh, that, uh, you know, as the months roll on, as the years roll on, uh, that there will be policy in place that, you know, would assist our people in uh, moving from, you know, uh, being dependent on on, on, on social grants and uh, on assistance from government to becoming more independent, becoming uh, to determining uh, our destiny in terms of from a financial perspective and uh, that we can play a more leading role in terms of the, 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 the economy as business people, something that's very, very important. We're going to go for a break, and when we come back, we continue right here on Talking Point Stadium.